0: M S -S W Media.
1: Ah, that little farce you played with my sister. you think that could fool the Carleon? I come innocent. I run kids. Please, Mike, don't do this yeah. to me. Right, don't do this to me, please. Barzini's dead. So is Philip Tattaglia. Mo Green. Stracci. Cuneo. Today I settle all family business, so don't tell me you're innocent, Carla. Admit what you did. Get him a drink. Don't be afraid, Carlo. Come on. You think I make my sister a widow? I'm godfather to your son, Carlo. No, Carlo. You're out of the family business. That's your punishment. You're finished. I'm putting you on a plane to Vegas. I want you to stay there. You understand? hmm uh-huh. Only don't tell me you're innocent. Because it insults my intelligence. And makes me very angry.
2: Will pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. But this is what we're drinking with and (laughs) done.
3: Welcome to the show very exciting one today. Oh my goodness. It's a uh, I don't film buffs out there might know this is the 50th anniversary of the release of The Godfather, one of the seminal motion pictures ever, certainly in American cinema. And a little bit later in the show, I'm going to be drinking wine with one of the stars of that movie, Johnny Russo, who played Carlo Rizzi. In The Godfather will be joining me. He and I are going to be drinking, slugging back some Italian wines. But first, speaking of wine, uh, regular listeners know that recently well, we did two episodes, not one but two episodes with someone who has become a instantly became a fan favorite. We drank a bunch of wine. She and I, she, you know her, you love her, Claire Copy's here from Psalm TV. I am. Doing How are just- you? Fabulous! How are you doing, Dan? (laughs) It's good to see you now. People may be wondering. Obviously, Claire and I have quite Mm -hmm. the rapport Mm -hmm. on the show, and so, but they still might be wondering why is Claire (laughs) back on the show so quickly? Why is she back? We didn't like her that much. (laughs) And here's what: No, I, I, we really do. But, but let me just say this. And this is a spoiler alert. Any of you that have been watching Sparklers, a competition that Claire has been competing on, some in on some tv spoiler alert if you don't want to know how that ends sparklers stop yeah. listening right jump ahead yep. about 10 minutes to the johnny russo interview jump ahead because i'm about to give a spoiler alert you've been warned <laughs> so congratulations ah, you, you so won, won. <laughs> you won sparklers whoa what the hell i was so excited and we don't even barely know each other but i but you've been on the show and 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 we i thought yeah. we got along really great and and i and i become invested <laughs> in it now i started watching sparklers and i'm like because early it on not. it wasn't it going was well not. for you <laughs> it was not. and then as it went on you started kicking some ass and and then you got to the final Who was it you I were was in the, the final uh, against the
0: lovely and wonderful winemaker of burgess cellars in napa uh megan Zobek. Who also clawed her way back from the from the bottom. She had like the least points after we left uh Oregon,
3: where we were filming. And wait, did you just tee up me playing? Started. from I don't the know. Bottom did I? Maybe because I will.
1: Started from the bottom. Now the whole team fucking here. Started from the bottom. Now we're
3: here. All right, sure. <laughs> um, so the uh you clawed your way up. You got back in. You got so what happens in sparklers, everybody, is they got to make a dish that pairs with they got to prepare a dish that pairs with that, what they're drinking. And in the final episode, you were drinking a sparkling so wine that wasn't. In the was finale
0: it? episode, we were uh, drinking and using Fair Lafette, uh, which is a Cremant de la from southern France. It's actually where they invented the uh, traditional sparkling method. And then champagne, uh, Dom Perignon, figured it out and took it back to champagne with him. So, wow.
3: Okay. So you use that. Now you are tasked with. Creating yep. a dish that pairs yes. with this, and you're mm-hmm. being judged by your the three contestants that Correct. didn't make it to the final. So these are people you've been uh, with the whole journey, and they come in and they got to try Claire's dish and yeah, Megan's Megan. Dish. Yeah. Megan right Megan yeah, okay. yeah Megan's dish and Claire's they it, and don't they don't know, know who made his. it they don't know and they they eat <laughs> it and they drink it and then they, and then you go into the, into the main room there wherever you shot this thing. <laughs> And the tension was palpable. Dude, I could see you was, were very yeah, nervous. That was,
0: I mean, I had a lot of fun filming Sparklers and I always took everything seriously, but I had like a certain amount of, you know, like it is what it is. But then getting down to like that last episode, my cat's here. She likes to be a- Wait,
3: is there a, <laughs> what is going on here? Oh, I was, so- <laughs> she likes to I'm be- I'm sorry. That was the weirdest thing. No, no, because like- I I'm not no, looking but at the your little chest, ears first <laughs> off, but but I see this black thing, and I'm like, is there like a what's happening to your chest right now? I just saw this black shadow, and now it's it's anyway, a cat. Uh, all right. Okay, I thought maybe you were being attacked or something. Attack by something. Yeah, okay, so the, the cat, cat is, is so, there. Yes. All right, so you're in this room Very and you're nervous. nervous. Yes. So I
0: was I was having a fun time for you know the majority of the competition, but it got down to that last episode, and I was like, this is real. Like I need to step it up. So and we only we didn't know the ingredients that we had to use until that morning. And then, just like whip together a dish in like an hour
3: and you made you used you had uh yeah tuna, so right? they
0: uh the judges got to decide our main ingredients that we had to use, which were fennel and stone fruit, and I don't know why, but my mind took me to this ahi tuna dish, and I was just I was like sitting in the corner before we shot, just like going over the steps of. My dish like over and over and over again, just, you know, like listening to like Eminem and like trying. to. <laughs> I wasn't, but I was just trying to, you know, amp myself up. So I was really, really nervous by the end of it. Cause that's a lot on the line, right? An all expenses paid trip to France.
3: Oh, that's right. Yeah. So the prize everybody knows is a, a all expense paid trip to France. So yeah. there is a pressure there. You're not a, no, you're not a chef, I'm not. right? You're, you're background sommelier. You, you were at sushi note here in Los Angeles. You yeah. were also at Republic, very famous spots here, but you're not a no, trained no chef, um, but you beat it. The, one of the well, guys he's was not a t- chef, a t- to be fair, it. I don't want it to
0: seem like that. George did go to culinary school, but he, um, he worked on the line a little bit when he was younger. So he has all those technical skills okay. for sure. Um and yeah, that was just absolutely insane to me that the two people who came out at the end had absolutely no culinary experience whatsoever. But it shows how much we learned through the process from working with everybody. Um, and it was it was cool just to see how creative you know everyone got. So I'm I'm just as flabbergasted
3: as <laughs> anybody else. <laughs> it, I'll tell you, if you like drama, yeah. seriously, go get. Get a subscription to Sam TV. It's very, very affordable, and check out Sparklers because I was riveted at the end and, and the way they set it up. It kind of felt like you lost, right? Like they, because they edited in such a way where it seemed like they were leaning towards yeah. Megan's. They said your tuna yeah. was too big, and, and you and you put your head in your hands, and I'm like, yeah. oh, she's gonna lose. Sesame is too overpowering. I was like, fuck. And yeah, and then you won, and now this is amazing. So when I are you excited yet? You know, um. I
0: I don't know. I want to kind of wait. Maybe until like hmm. COVID is. I mean, it's not quite as much of an issue as it used to be. But I might wait just a little bit.
3: So you can go. Be- I can, can go, go whenever,
0: whenever I want. want. Uh, it's two uh, business class tickets. All expenses paid. It's out of France. Who I don't know. I've got like <laughs> Dan is looking at me. Hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. I. I. I, <laughs> I would. If I, I would take know. me. <laughs> In a pinch, uh, I could trade off something. I've got a trip coming up to Paso Robles. I could bring you there. I bring you to Paso. That seems like a fair trade. Paso, uh, (laughs) France. I'm just saying, if something falls through and you want to give that business class ticket to (laughs) dear friend Dan, we could do a whole series of shows over there. (laughs) Think about potential here, people. (laughs) Like Claire's, Claire's like. With me to France. All right. So but you're gonna go, but you're gonna yeah. wait a little while. But how so how excited were you in that moment? I, when you I, found I
0: don't even know that it's really sunk in yet, to be honest. Uh I didn't really believe it in that moment. Because and I said this on the show, like I I haven't really won much in my life. I mean, I have a very wonderful life and I've I've won that and I have beautiful people in my life, but I don't like ever win stuff. <laughs> so I was really uh I was okay. very shocked that I won it and and there's also this weird thing. I think Megan talks about it at one point. You also kind of feel bad because, like, these people are your friends by the end of this journey. And, like, you want everybody to go to France with you, you know? Oh, fuck no, them.
3: Come I'm on. Very, you deserve so it. Though.
0: I mean, like, look how hard they work. Look at all the beautiful dishes they made. So, yeah.
3: Look, Claire, I got friends that got podcasts and they don't do as well. <laughs> I got, what are you going to do? Get, get better. better. That's what, Get that's what better. I say. No, I'm kidding. You know, do better. No, you're I, yeah. I understand what you mean. You, you wish yeah. everybody could go, but, but you did, there was a, it's funny. Cause I think you said something like that. You're like, either way, <laughs> I'm going to be happy, sure. but I'm going to be happier <laughs> if it's me, you know? And, and it was, so yeah. that's amazing. Well, I just, I don't want, I know you're food. very busy plan, planning, planning oh, yeah. that trip to France. So I don't want to <laughs> keep you too long, but I, I just wanted, when I saw that you won, I, I hit you up and I said, please come on. Cause Uh, What do you got next? I want to know what you're doing next. Now, this is over. You've left left sushi sushi notes. notes. Is there any big news happening? Uh,
0: I mean, yes. I don't know when they're going to say it, so I don't know if I can say it right now, but I'm keeping busy. Uh, Yes, I'm keeping busy. Uh I don't know if I can say it or not, because I mean, they said they wanted to. Okay, I will say it to you. You can say it. We'll have you (laughs) back on. It's not like this huge, like, I'm working for the Secret Service. I'm the I'm the Secret Service in
3: Somalia. <laughs> <laughs> they don't drink much, but that's a movie. That's a movie yeah. plot. Maybe yeah. Uh Well, listen, uh, Claire. Where can we find you on the social, social media? media? Will
0: be at Claire underscore at, uh, on Instagram.
3: Oh, I, don't yeah, care. I always see you and Kobe. everybody else. Yeah, I know. We've fun. had
0: this before. Think Coppola. Yeah. Think Coppola, like the Godfather. Coppa. Cop- Cop- Coppola.
3: Didn't we go over this last time you were on? And I was like, We were drinking too much. I don't, don't remember your name. <laughs> Copy. Uh listen, everybody, check out Claire Copy on Som TV. Sparklers. Even though you know what happened already, but you know, um, it's still Done. worth watching. I mean it's 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 a lot of fun. And you learn a lot about wine. And we'll have you back on when you come back here next one. <laughs> That'd be night. awesome. Thanks, Jen. I always like talking with you. <laughs>
1: Oh, Godfather, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. You can act like a man. What's the I with you? Is this how you turn out a Hollywood Pinocchio that uh, cries like a woman? <laughs> what can I do? What can I do? What
3: is that nonsense? Yes, Don Corleone, you're right to ask, what is this nonsense? It's a podcast. That's what it is. And like I said, coming up in just a couple of minutes, I got Johnny Russo. I'll be drinking two wines with Johnny. I want to tell you about them quickly, so you know what we got going here. One, the first one is a, a white wine called Umani Ronchi Casola di Sera Verdicchio dei Castali di Yesi. That's a mouthful, right? Umani Ronchi is the. That's going to be the name of the, the winery. I think about that one. Okay, that's U M A N I, and then second word R O N C H. I as I said, this is a Verdicchio. Verdicchio is the name of a white grape variety. It's made in the Marche region of Italy. There are two denominations there. Uh, one is the one I just mentioned, Verdicchio de Castelli di Hiesi, and then Verdicchio Di Metallica. Not Metallica, Metallica. This one is a dehiesi. Uh, the the Diesi de is the bigger production area there, okay? Verdicchio produces wine. It's got a lot of acid, good structure. They they tend to show the fruit flavor. This Umani ranki certainly does. You get a lot of lemon and grapefruit in there. I always find a little almond character in it as well. And this is a dry white wine. There are some that make sweet ones, but this one here is a dry white wine. It's very similar to... To, uh, there's another, uh, Trebbiano di Suave is a grape that's very similar to Verdicchio, Trebbiano di Lugana, and Trebbiano Veltanesi. These are all grapes that are very similar to Verdicchio, not to be confused with Verdea, which is a different, or Verdejo. Oh, it's all so confusing. <laughs> but what is not confusing is that this wine is delicious and made on vineyards that are between 8 and 30 years old. Oh, it's lovely. And it's $20 a bottle. But Johnny and I, are, I don't want to give away too much right now. Johnny and I are going to get into that one when we talk to him. But I wanted to lay the groundwork there. The second one we're going to be drinking is a red wine from a producer called Carpazzo. It's C-A-P-A-R-Z-O. And the wine that we're drinking is a Brunello di Montalcino. This is one of Italy's most famous regions in Tuscany. Uh, right up there along Chianti Classico. I mean, these are beautiful wines, red, black fruit. You get some vanilla spice. It's, uh, you know, uh, probably my favorite of all Italian wines, Brunello di Monticino. And this Carpazzo that we're drinking is just stellar. It produced, Carpazzo produced its first stuff back in 1970. This wine's about $50 a bottle. And again, I don't, I, I don't want to go too much into it right now because Johnny, Johnny Russo and I are going to be talking about it. And then, as I said, after the interview with Johnny, stay tuned because I got Steven Soderbergh is going to give his thoughts. Steven Soderbergh's our guest in the next podcast, but I got him to also talk about what the Godfather meant to him. And you're not going to want to miss that because that guy knows movies. Okay. So uh, what are we going to do now? Oh, how about we do this? As anyone who pays even the slightest bit of attention to me knows, Fresh Victor is my favorite mixer brand in the world. You know what? Screw it. It's my favorite in all the universe. They make 100% fresh, juice-based, cold-pressed, preservative-free, refrigerator-worthy cocktail mixers. All their ingredients are real. They're all recognizable. Easy to pronounce. Lime. Mint. Ginger. See what I mean? Easy. Fresh Victor mixers are kosher, non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and light-on calories, although they don't taste like it. They're seven award-winning flavors mixed deliciously with any spirit, wine, or sparkling water. Not only does Fresh Victor live and breathe sustainable practices, but they champion them. All their ingredients are fair trade, the packaging is recyclable, and the juicing plant is 100% solar. You get the drift. Right now, Fresh Victor is offering a pretty juicy deal to my listeners. Simply go to freshvictor.com, fill up your shopping cart, and at checkout, enter promo code WWD20 Get 20% off your order. Now's the time to treat yourself to the very best mixers on the market. And that's Fresh Victor. What are we drinking? Oh, hell yeah. Batiste rum. You know what I'm talking about? I friggin' love this brand. Batiste rum is the first sustainable American craft rum. What's that mean? Well, it means that Batiste's proprietary production process from ground to bottle has been rigorously reviewed and validated as being carbon negative. It's the only known beverage alcohol in the world to have a climate-positive, natural production process without the purchase of carbon offsets. Okay, you're probably still like, yeah, but what's that mean? (laughs) It means you can feel good about drinking it, my friends. Batiste rum is made from 100% pure fresh cane juice, not molasses or sugar crystals. Most importantly, it's an incredibly damn delicious rum to be enjoyed neat or in cocktails. And Batiste rum has not one but two kick-ass offers for my listeners. That's you. Go to batiste rum.com. That's B A T I S T E R H U M.com. Fill up your cart and enter code WWD15 at checkout to get 15% off all orders. But if you want their delicious reserve rum, you can enter code RESERVE, and get 20% off. Batiste rum is the absolute shiz. Proof that great taste with true sustainability is not a goal for tomorrow, but a reality today. Joining me now, a man who's made a career playing tough guys. Perhaps best known for his very first acting job, which just blows my mind. His very first acting job, played Carlo Rizzi in a little film you might have heard of called The Godfather. But his career spanned over 40 films, including uh, big hits like The Freshman, Rush Hour, Any Given Sunday, *Sea Biscuit*. You know all these movies. He's also an amazing singer. I was, I, I was listening to some of his music. He's got an album called Reflections. I swear you'd you think you're listening to Dean Martin and Sinatra when you listen to this record. It's, it's fantastic. I suggest you check it out. He's got a, an autobiography called Hollywood Godfather, My Life in the Movies. And the mob, and I am honored to have on the show Johnny Russo. Johnny, I'm great, how man. are you?
4: Thank man? you for having me. I really appreciate it.
3: Boy, you know, got growing up with the Godfather, and and I, you know, I didn't know any of the story when I was a fan of the movie. I had no idea this was your your first film and your background. So let, let's let's start talking. So first of all, why why we're doing this? Besides the awesomeness of having Johnny with us, is The Godfather premiere is coming up in a couple of weeks. It's the 50th anniversary of The Godfather, which premiered at the Lowe's Theater on March 14th, 1972. Now, Johnny, tell us what you were doing prior to this life-changing moment. Well, basically,
4: uh, from 13 years of age until this life-changing moment, I was working for a a very well-known mobster called Frank Costello, he basically adopted me on the streets of New York. I was selling ballpoint pens because I was released from Bellevue. This is my second pandemic that we're all living through now. I got polio in 1949, was quarantined in a state hospital called Bellevue for five years. So when I came out, I, I took advantage of my affliction, my whole left side of my body, and I was selling ballpoint pens. And then I moved uptown in front of the Sherry Netherlands. And this guy used to come every day and give me money. He just felt sorry for me. And then we started talking and he realized I was Italian. And uh, he made me an offer I couldn't refuse.
3: (laughs) (laughs) By the way, Johnny, I'm going to guess back then, back when polio was happening, they didn't debate online about how you felt about the vaccination. They were like, you're taking the fucking oh, yeah, vaccination. Hello. We're getting rid of polio. It wasn't, it, there was nobody going, I don't believe in it, right? No, everybody That's believed in it back then. interesting story right?
4: because I, I, was, I was six years old. I was already an altar boy, and I couldn't understand why is God this doing to us. You know, I'm six and a half. It's August, I remember it, August 19th, and I'm six and a half. They come and pick me up. They locked me up in Bellevue, which is a state mental institution, And they make a polio ward out of it.
3: Over in uh, where like thirty eighth street, Street Bellevue's over in like Mary Hill, right?
4: In Mary Hill, or is it? Yeah. So what happened to me was I I was there about two two years already during Jonas Salk's experiment, and like you pointed out, nobody says, "Do you want to take this?" I actually wanted to take it. I was in a twenty bed ward. They split it in half, and they gave half the kids. The first dose, and I didn't get it, and I was hysterical crying because I'm saying, "Wait a minute!" I thought this was the cure all. Well, again, because yeah. I have an angel on my shoulder all my life. The first batch; those kids all died in the next ten days. It escalated the virus.
3: Yeah, oh, Jesus. Well, what is it? What is if? What did it feel like? What, what does it well, do to it, your it body? It
4: affects different people. Some people, it's the respiratory system. Me, was my joints, and it was my left side of my body. So my right side was normal. So at least I had that strength. But you have nothing on the left side—no feeling, nothing. I could put my hand in a fire. Jesus,
3: and you're wait, and you're and you're yep. six years old. I mean, how, how scary is that? That's got to be that you, you, you can't undercut. You're not old enough to comprehend what's happening to you that, you know, that there's these forces beyond your control, right? You're just like, Hey mom, why, why isn't my arm working? Or, you know, why can't I, I feel my it, right? My father
4: was uh, very naive. He should take him to a clinic or we'll get mask, but don't worry about it. And, uh, my mother snuck me to a clinic, a neighborhood clinic. And the next day they came like five o'clock in the morning to pick me up because I obviously ran tests and I had polio. But like you said, I mean, it was devastating. But I tell you, as I reflect on my life, I I wouldn't want my life to be any different. What I learned about survival and just goals in life and going after them was all given to me just for the motivation of getting out of there. And, uh, you know, I spent five years there. And how I got out is insane, Crazy. but uh, I don't know if I should say it on your on the air or not. But
3: oh, go ahead. We love insane. Oh, I didn't show. know. Wait, wait, wait. Before we before we do that, let's hey. raise a glass of wine. We're going to get insane. We might as well have a little. Uh, we're going to have a cheers, and we'll talk about this wine in just a bit. But let me hear the let me hear the story. See, my grandfather
4: serves toast, and you don't drink. That's bad luck. <laughs> yeah. No. Absolutely. So what happened drink. was. Dolores Barone, Carlo Gambino's niece, was my floor monitor. And she warned me because I was, as I was getting mature, 11, 12 years of age. She warned me about this guy. And what do I know about pedophiles or anything? Not like today. My, my grandkids know about him because <laughs> of television. But we were isolated then. And sure enough, this guy came one night and tried to attack me.
3: Was it? Wait, wait! You're not talking about no, Dabino. no, no, no.
4: Oh,
3: no, you're talking about you're talking about somebody from the was hospital.
4: My my foreigners well, who warned, warned you of a guy, guy. Was this a guy working he, in the he hospital or a, something? was a physical yeah. therapist. Unfortunately, I couldn't have any based. physical therapy, but I could see every time he pulled the drapes around the bed. These kids were petrified when he was coming in. I thought it was going to hurt what he was doing to them. I don't know, but then I realized what he was doing. So he tried to attack me in the bathroom, which was the worst thing he could have done because I was prepared for him. And I drove a broom through him. I was sitting, because I couldn't stand at a urinal. I was sitting on a ball because I had no balance. But some reason, a year or two before that, I broke a porter's broom that you see in the theaters, those little brooms. I threw the bristles sure. away. And I was in no hurry to go back to bed, so I'd sit there for an hour or two. Who cared? And I sharpened the broom in the grout of the floor tile. Don't ask me why I did. <laughs>
3: you had a yeah. sense, right? You got it. Look, man, you—I grew up in Philly. You grew up in New York. I try to explain to people like I'm all—even to this day—and I don't feel like there's a real genuine threat to me. But I'm always on my toes because growing up in a tough oh, yeah, neighborhood. You just gotta be. You have to. be. Oh no!
4: I mean, that's that seventh or eighth sense, whatever that is. It saved my life several times. I mean, the people who have read my book, and I thank them for that, because the book is a bestseller for three and a half years. And now George Gallo sure. and Nick Bollelungo yeah. are making feature film out of it.
3: So, it, well, you know, I uh, you don't know this, but I'm friends George with George Gallo. George Gallo, yeah, George has been on the I show love several George times. Gallo. Yeah. I know George, so everybody knows George wrote uh, Midnight Run, he wrote Bad Boys, He's a he directs his own films, he's phenomenal. If you go back and look in the archives of our show, early on, uh, about a year and a half ago, we had George on. So, but go ahead. So then, all right, so let me just say this. You, you took care of this guy. We don't right, get too do right. dark here, but you took care of the pedophile. I love that part. You got rid of him. Now you get out of the house. Well, you're growing there, there's up. There's just you're working, a little 72,
4: 72 oh, hours between... Me killing the guy, they put me in a psych ward to add more complications to my life. Oh, you killed him! You killed him! You killed him! I was dead. I, oh my god! I, I had Jesus so much strength of dragging myself around on my right side of my body that when I hit him, I hit him under the rib cage because I was sitting down. So you're an eleven, you're an eleven year
3: old kid in the bathroom, and this guy's coming in with nefarious intent, right? And you stick a broom through his stomach and kill him. I love it. I yeah, say that right ahead. now. I, cause I, I'm gonna, you know, and again, I don't get too dark here, but of all the things you can do, like this is what I mean, there's people that are robbing, they're stealing, they're doing whatever, you know, all right, fine. What I don't know your circumstances, but here's what I say if somebody's out there right now and you're thinking about doing something, d- diddling a little kid. You should kill yourself. That's that's kind of my feeling. Oh, yeah. Take one for the team. And what you yeah. did, I think, is amazing.
4: But you didn't get in trouble or anything for it, right? No, I, they put me in the psych ward for seventy two hours, and then they released me. All of a sudden, I'm getting released.
3: Ah, <laughs> oh, you gotta love they it. They wanted me. to love of the there. old
4: days. They're like, yeah, let them go.
3: Maybe just you know,
4: it's been well, seven. Yeah, because they, they didn't want no no
3: more publicity from it. I don't know, you <laughs> know. Anyway, yeah, that wouldn't look good for them for sure. No. So, all right, so let's jump. <laughs> so, I want to I want to jump ahead a little bit and uh and but let me you want me to tell you about this wine a little bit, Johnny, so we know what oh, we're drinking please, here. Yeah. Okay. So, um we're drinking a white right now and um and I what do you th- I think it's a lovely wine. I'm I'm going to mess up the pronunciation, but I but Umani ranchi and then it's a Casal de Serra Verdicchio, which is the grape uh del Castello di <laughs> Jesse. Okay, that's the name of this wine. I'm going to I'll put it on my social media at the Imbiber if you guys want to know what it is. Verdicchio is the grape. It's a this is 100% a 100% region also. but beautiful beautiful re- yeah, uh and uh this wine right here, again, 100% Verdicchio. They for, this label launched back in 1983. The one we're drinking is a 2020. What do you think of it, Johnny?
4: I think it's amazing body. I I I'm I'm into wine. My family have owned vineyards from 1806. I personally have nine hectares of vineyards all through Puglia down to Gorsetto. So I'm very much into wine. But yeah. So this one's working for you. Oh, this is. I mean, not only that, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very expensive bottle. So I, I first of all, I thank you for the red and this. It's well, this
3: one, too- no, this one, actually, this white one's only twenty bucks. It, it's You're kidding yeah, me. yeah, this is only twenty. The red we're going to try wow. later is fifty. But this one, yeah, for twenty dollars, and I—I I got a, twenty dollars, and it's just for me. I'm getting, you know, I'm the nut It's just got like this, the flower. I get you get the wild flower aromas on it, and, and yeah, I'm getting so, a lot of fruit so like nice. peach and apricot and apple, and but it's richness to it, right? You're getting that, but rich. it's
4: fruity, but not sweet. It's no, dry. no, no, exactly, yeah. But it's, uh, no, it's a great wine. I'm it anyway, yeah. It's if a you're right, afternoon, and to anybody out there, salute this. Salute, I'm. Uh,
3: I got to tell you, it's it, what a thrill it is. Uh, again, I've probably seen The Godfather a hundred times, and to be uh, tipping back wine with you is is a real treat, and I appreciate you doing it. Thank you. I so appreciate it. this one, and then we're going to get to the red in a little bit. But I, I got to tell you, this this Umani Ranki for uh, for.
4: I can't believe that. Yeah, it's a steal. That's funny because Western Carries delivered it to me. Western delivers for me. So I can get it easier. Probably get it wholesale. Yeah, yeah,
3: well, now we know people, so we can get some to you. I thought it was like a $50, $60
4: bottle of wine, to be honest. No,
3: it could be, but yeah. Um, So now, all right, let me tell me if I got this right. So now you, I love this sort of naivete that you don't even. You decide you're going to be in a movie. You want to be in the movies. And you shoot. You're way ahead of your time. You actually film. put yourself on tape,
4: which nobody was doing back then. Oh, no. It was funny because, you know, my ego, I was like 25. And I was working for Costello all this time. Yeah. And I, I got pretty well. In fact, this apartment he gave me, this apartment in New York on the Upper East Side, it's 2,300 square foot. This is my dining room behind me. So it's at 16. <laughs> it's like unheard of. I just want to set the stage. So I had money. And my ego, I wanted to become an actor. Well, you're a good you're a good looking guy. You're a big guy. You're a good looking guy. So I got to figure people would think you, you had the movie star looks anyway. Well, they said that to me. and I said, okay. But I heard all the trials and tribulations trying to get into business. So when the book came out, I had someone read it because I'm illiterate. I never went to school. I I went to the first grade. Then I went to Bellevue. Then I hit the streets and and got my education there. So I figured I could play Michael's Sonny Carlo. So I shot scenes for each one. And then I did some research on Al Ruddy, who was producing, that he liked great cars and Chinese women. So I went to Follies Bajere. I was living in Vegas to to the show there. And I picked up the only Chinese girl... And flew to L.A., had my driver meet her at the gate of of Paramount. And she drove my car in to him. And I had Betty McCart. I found out who his secretary was. And she gave me a drive-on. And I had this wrapped. uh, I did it on 18-millimeter Araflex film because they didn't have tape yet. And I wrapped the I wrapped it in the Godfather uh, book cover, and she hand delivered it. And unbeknownst to me, they passed it all around because the film I bought was old and had a sepia look. And Coppola was trying to talk Paramount into sh- shooting the whole movie in sepia, so everybody saw my test.
3: <laughs> That's amazing. But they tell you you don't. You're, they're like, no, you're not going to get the role.
4: Well, yeah, but they, they said, you know, we sorry we misled you. There was an article I read that they're going to, Italians will be Italians, Jews will be Jews. So okay. I put it in. But then I started working my magic through the mob and got Joe Colombo to speak for me. And <laughs> I got the part. And you got the – so I, at least as I understand, I, I, I think
3: originally they wanted – they studio wanted James Caan to play Michael Corleone hard. Right. And Coppola went to the mat on that and said he wanted Pacino. And then that, in a way, led to you getting the role because he got his way. So so uh, James Caan became
4: Sonny, the brother. Yeah, and, and a good friend of mine, you may, may even know him, Carmine Caridi. Was, was Carlo, out.
3: was going to be Carlo, and he
4: got out. Carlo? Yeah. No, he was going to be Sonny. Oh. He was on a play. He was a play, the man from Mancha, and they thought he should be a big guy. So what happened, some other friends of mine Kirk Kikori, which you may know that story, or he, he owned the studio and he was he was making a movie called The Gang That Couldn't Shoot Straight. Yeah. And Pacino was already cast for it. So they switched him out. And like you pointed out, they needed the labor unions and they needed the cooperation of the neighborhoods. And it's in I'm in James Patterson's new book, Defense Attorney. I'm so proud of being in it. But on page 70 and 71, they have the whole scene with Joe Colombo getting me the part. So it's just going to contradict the offer that's coming out because they didn't put that in at all.
3: <laughs> well, you know, funny, Johnny. When I, I, I've talked to a couple of people. I, I was excited to have you on. And, and everybody's got a Johnny Russo story. Okay. So I'll give you an example. One of my good buddies, a guy named Jack Maxwell, who used to host a show called Booze Traveler. And I mentioned to Jack that you were going to be on the show. And he said, Oh, I did a movie that was about Johnny called for which he stands. Oh yeah, sure. He had a, he had a small, we could talk about that a little bit later, but he had a, he had a small part in that movie and he did that, but he, all right. So Jack tells me this story and there's so many, but I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to fuck it up, but I'll, but you tell me what I got, right. And we're going to get to your relationship with James Conn too. It, a little bit of this, right? You and James Conn butt heads a little oh, yeah. bit, right? Okay, yeah. so, but, all right, here's the nuts and bolts of this, and you you fill in the blanks for me. Apparently, some of the real mob guys are around when they're making the movie and all this stuff, and now I thought it was like Castellano or one of those guys was in a place, and James Con's there, and he's got a young girl with him, and oh, James no, you're, talking
4: Con- about, you're talking about Junior Persico. The niece, the niece story. Is this... No, that was his girlfriend. And Jimmy, Jimmy Conn comes to the bar. We, we, we always hung out at Jilly's on 52nd Street because that's where Sinatra hung. It was the way to be in, you know, in, in the early, late 60s, early 70s. So I'm at the bar with two guys and I didn't know Jimmy Conn was in the back at the piano bar. And he comes out and he says to me, J- Junior Persico's back there. I said, I know Junior well. And he's a, is this he said, this is a mafioso. Oh, he was a major guy. He just died in prison. He got life in prison. Okay. This is a major guy. When Colombo got shot, just to set the setting right, on June 28, 71, while we're still making the movie, they shoot Colombo during the rally. This guy took over then. So he was ahead of the Colombo family. Okay, got it. Jimmy Khan comes out and says, Oh, Junior's back there with his daughter. He'd like <laughs> you to come back and meet him. And he's fucking with you. He, know, he, know, he, know, he knows. Oh, his no, name. he knows. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy hated me from day one. <laughs> I'm pulling up. He's coming up with a Ford station wagon. I got a Bentley driver with a Chinese chick show for me, taking me on a set, and I'm bringing Brando to the set every day. Crazy. And they hated me. I'm not a thespian. I never studied anything. These guys all went to school. And when Jimmy got that part, from that day on, he thought he was Sonny Cordeleon. So I thought maybe he was, you know, uh, you know, one of those actors that got into character. A meth- like a method guy, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could backhand this guy and knock him out. When he gave me that beating, I want, I, oh, I,
3: I want to oh. get to that in a little bit. but let me. So he comes out and he tells you. So you're going back there to say hi, thinking that he's with his daughter.
4: Yeah. And I get up and Junior gets up. Now, this is the guy that Jimmy's been kissing his ass to be around. Junior gets up, we hug, we kiss. He don't know how long I know this guy. And I look over Junior's shoulder and I said, Junior, your daughter's gorgeous. (laughs) And his face twisted. This guy is one of the meanest guys in the world. And I knew from that minute, second, I said, have a great night. I looked at Jimmy and I walk away. So now the configuration of this club, the bar is on on the left going back. I went down to the basement. The two guys I were with, one, two you'll know their names. One was Tommy Bellotti, uh-huh. who was my best man, who got shot down in front of Sparks with, with, with Castellano. Paul Castellano. Yeah. And he had John Gotti. Yeah, John Gotti. Hit his, him. Yeah, but, got it. And the other guy was Boozy DeChico, the underboss to the Gambino family. And his son, Frankie Boy DeChico, got blown up in the car by accident thinking they were blowing up Gotti later on. <laughs> so these two guys are real real guys. Not to be not to be trifled with is what you're saying. Right. Yeah. Tommy catches me going down to the basement. I tell him i will be right up and go to the bathroom. Two of Junior's guys follow me down. Oh shit. So Tommy gets boozy and they take their time going down the steps. Now one of Junior's guys is against the bathroom door. And the other guy's fucking with me near the, the urinal. I'm going to the urinal. only one urinal. And he so oh, you wise guy. I said, excuse me, I'm going to the bathroom here. He said, oh, no, you're fucking with Junior. And with that, as soon as I said that, Tommy's like a bull. He hits the door. The guy is a small bathroom. Goes and hits right across to the sink. Tommy gets him, bangs his head on the sink. He's done. And now he says you I go, what are you going to do? This guy's a smart ass. He called Junior's girlfriend, his daughter. So Tommy said, what'd you call him? smatter?" Bing, he hits him. He's let me just tell you something. That prick that you're sitting with, James Kahn, came to the bar. I heard him say that that was his daughter. Now, the only guy that could talk to Junior is Buzi DiCicco because he's a made guy. Tommy wasn't made yet. So Buzi says, let's go upstairs. We straighten this out. So I couldn't wait. <laughs> we go in the back. Junior and Buzi go in the kitchen. Next, one of Junior's guys come out and get Jimmy. Jimmy he ain't there two minutes. Yeah, he pa pa. Junior hits him, and Junior Junior and H- I hits had, James yeah. Conn. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and James Conn Junior has one arm that's deformed. With this, he call, they call for me, and Junior hugs me, so I'm apologized. This guy told me what went on. He said, "Now." Jimmy, you want to be in this thing called well, we are, What's ours? You want to be a part of this? We're gonna. T- I'm gonna teach you a lesson. From now on, they own you. He gave me to. He gave him to boozy to Chico. Tommy wanted to kill him right then and there. I said, Tommy, the movie just started. You kill him, my career is over. It's over. Yeah. Oh my god. But we still own. Him. We still own them now, right to today. But Tommy's dead. Everybody's dead. I didn't care, but. That's amazing. That's why you hated me. And then I read a, I read
3: something that you an interview you did a while back, and you said that you know, so the infamous fight scene in The Godfather. So basically, Carlo whacks around Talia Shire's car, his wife, and James Caan shows up, sees her. She begs him, "Don't go, don't do anything to him. I'm not going to do anything." You know, and then he comes on the street, and it's a and he kicks the shit out of Carlo on the street. But I read an interview said that when he t- comes out with that club in his hand and he throws, that's not supposed
4: to happen. And he that actually hit, and he hit you in the head, right? We, I don't know how we practiced all day. But the bottom line, we choreographed that the day before all day with the stunt people because there was a lot of ca- camera setups for the people out there who are not there. We start from the stoop. I run across the street. It's always been the garbage bales. I wound up in a fire hydrant him kicking me. All choreographed. No problem. So he throws the club and I get hit. So they, they yelled, cut. Thank God I went behind the car. So he came over and they had a little cut. I said, no, let's go. It was my first, my first time I was in film. So I ain't going to stop anything. And my, it was a little bruise. I said, let's keep going. So they picked it up right from there. Now we run across the street. He throws me over the railing. And I'm all padded up. And he's supposed to be just touching me. I'm reacting. He's banging the steel garbage pail cover on my elbow, and he chipped my elbow. What about the hand when he was, butt- Did he, he didn't really bite your hand, did he? No, oh, no, that's all he would have did. I would have knocked his teeth out that Okay. Night. <laughs> yeah. Even though it's my first movie, hold sure. yeah. it was crazy. So now I crawl out, and we had this all choreographed. I'm crawling across the sidewalk, and he lifts me up. But as soon as he touched me, I react to it. This time, he drop kicked me like a football. Breaks two ribs. And then I roll over to the fire hydrant. And I'm laying there saying to myself, I'll never do another fight scene again in my life. <laughs> this is my first movie. This is tough. Forget about it. Who
3: said acting wasn't hard, right? Oh, that's Hello. amazing, man. That is just, that's such a great, great story. Well, let, this is a good time then to, to, I wanna transition into this. I wanna ask you, oh, by the way, there's so much to cover here. Part of the reason we're talking too is that Johnny's involved with something called the Corleone Fine Italian culinary collection and this is a uh it's basically very
4: fine italian
3: marinara sauce uh Everything. a lot i got of
4: clemenza's meat sauce in a jar
3: <laughs> so it's olive oil they sent me a bunch of this stuff it's fantastic The i got the oh olive God. oil i got the uh i got the sauces I, it's, it's, it's just all, not olive
4: oil it's Jenko olive oil it's the original product that they had in the movie and it comes in the <laughs> tin too i love it it comes in it the, comes in the tin like the movie it's a great, great anniversary piece. How did you get involved in that? You know, Pacino and, and De Niro, I'm very close to. When they found out I had a piece to this, they said, How'd you do it? I said, it's called money. I own it for I own it yeah. for a while, you know, but it's quarterly owned, fine Italian. Anybody goes online, you can buy it, it comes in boxes. It's amazing. Well, stuff. they
3: got a gift box right now. It's going for 130 bucks. That's the one I got. It's um it's got the marinara sauce, tomato basil sauce, arrabbiata, uh, Clemenza's recipe meat sauce, the one you're talking about, uh, the Jenko pure olive oil, and then uh, you got some balsamic vinegar in there, too.
4: From 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 Madonna, where it's supposed to be made. So the products, I have to say one thing. I wouldn't put my name on it and be around with it. I'm on it already seven years. We had over 800 supermarkets before the pandemic. And right. now we're going to direct.
3: You know what's great, man, is you never stop hustling. Never. When you come from the streets like that, you just
4: never stop hustling, do you? It's been great. I'm in my 80th year of life, and my kids even say, I have nine sons and two boy, two girl, two daughters. My oldest son is 59. He says, what are you trying to do? I say, I ain't trying to do nothing. I'm just having fun doing what I do. <laughs>
3: Unbelievable. And I'm gonna, I hung up on him. <laughs> I want to toast you now. We're going to move on to the red. Now, this one. Johnny, we got the Capazzo, uh yeah. Brunello di Montalcino, which I mean, everybody, you know, it's one of the greatest uh, wine regions
4: going. A Brunello, this is, uh, first of all, this Brunello is yeah. that region alone is amazing. I, I couldn't wait to taste this. Really. So, Carpazzo's is the the, na- the the name of the
3: region. It's it's in the northern part of the Appalachian there. Uh, and then I'm going to pour this. This is now. This is fifty bucks a bottle. And this thing was aged in wood for two years and then about four months in the bottle. Um, First year of this winery, carbazzo was 1970.
4: Oh, wow. So they're around a while.
3: Yeah. And it's, uh, let's see here. So we got, so 1970, it was, Montalcino was a lot different than it is now. And back then there were only 13 wineries. So this kind of makes them one of the more historic Brunello producers. Uh, And, uh, you know, Sangiovese being the grape, it just, well, let's try. I want to get your reaction to
4: this one, Johnny. To you, my friend. And to everybody out there. God bless you. Cheers. God bless you.
3: Mmm. How about that with some meat sauce, huh? <laughs> oh, wow, man. Wow, that's a good wine.
4: What a body that is. Right? Anybody that has the first gulp of this, just resting on your molars in the back of your mouth, you'll get a, I mean, a fragrance is amazing. Everything about it. Very, very balanced. Very well put together wine. That's a great wine. Thank you and them for sending us two bottles. <laughs> no, this is. I, I know I mean, what I'm drinking. I know what I'm drinking tonight. Well,
3: it's funny because like it's like it's that kind of. This is a 2016, by the way, that we're drinking right here. And by the yeah. way, it, you know it's, this is the kind of thing where it'd be just awesome. I wish I was in New York right now. Go out tonight, and you and I go out and get a nice a nice uh, dinner, get some meats and pastas and whatever. This would be a great wine to have. Oh yeah, day. phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, great.
4: it's uh, Full body. Good.
3: I, yeah, I'm really, I'm really liking this. It's
4: uh, give you a nice Friday afternoon glow. <laughs>
3: <laughs> getting it going. Now I'm out in California, so it's a little bit. Yeah, it's still early for me, but, uh, but yeah, I think this would be good with like a roast, maybe some uh, roasted meats, cheese, like an aged cheese with this.
4: Oh, pasta, anything. This oh, is great.
3: Jesus, yeah. Mm. So let me. I want to. I want to try something here with you, Johnny. I want to. I want to. I want to throw out a couple of names from The Godfather. And I don't, we don't get along here. I just want you to tell me the first thing that pops in your head when I say the, the name.
4: You ready? Al Pacino. I love him. He was uh, such a, you know, it's so funny to, for your audience. Most of us were unknowns. Pacino did one movie called Panic! Anita Park. Diane Keaton was new. Everybody was new. Jimmy Kahn just had Brian Piccolo on television. So he had somewhat of fame. But for us, you know, and, and Paramount, which you're going to find out in the new show called The Offer, coming out. Yes,
3: with Miles Teller, who's also been on this show. Well,
4: oh, that's <laughs> wild. stars in that, yeah. Yeah, so I mean that, that that's that's the making of. But the interesting thing is, you'll learn from that, which most lay people don't know. Every day they were threatening Coppola to get fired because, first of all, they didn't want to make a mob movie. That's the first movie that you know, the, the new company called From Western was making. And Charlie Blue Dawn, people don't know this, was connected to the Vatican and the mob in Italy. So the last thing he wanted to do, what, he invested all his money from car parts and everything and bought Paramount. And now he hired Bobby Evans and they want to make this movie. And the last thing he wanted to do, and he couldn't tell anybody, well, let's not make this mob movie. Let's not, And he had so much investment with it. And Ruddy and Coppola, I mean, Coppola was, I mean, gave up his life for this, but I mean, here we are talking about it. 51 years later, we made it. It came out in 72. We made it in 71. It's crazy. It's crazy.
3: I got a funny, I years and years, I have no idea who he was at the time. Obviously I do now. I was a young kid. I was living in Aspen, Colorado. And I don't even remember the time, but Bob Evans was there It was some big festival and he was signing copies of his book. The kid stays in the picture, right? Oh, great, 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 great book. book. And, uh, I went, I'm like, I'll get a copy of this, you know, and then they, somebody introduced us and whatever. And next thing you know, it was like, Hey, come on kid. And we went out. <laughs> Oh, wow. i don't know i didn't know who he was and, and i'm like all right i'll hang with this guy and then later i find out i mean he's a legend you know bob evans oh, and yeah. i still Hold got on. the book in my library In my library like I a fucking library uh, my bookshelf it, it, i got the book that he signed and we went out and he signed it for me and he said you know stay cool or
4: something kid and and you know bob evans and i was like oh, was i great. was with bobby a lot I mean, afterwards you know we so many things we were doing in fact his son that he had with Ali McGraw was going out and my daughter Gia for a while,
3: and he he was the guy who helped put together the
4: movie, The Godfather. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, if it, he he really was the glue that kept it going, kept it going.
3: Okay, I got another one for you. Another one of your co-stars. You tell me the first thing pops in your
4: head, Robert Duvall. Bobby's Ned the Jimmy Conn. I don't I don't like the guy. I really don't. I oh, you don't did. get along with him. I don't even know him. I had one. You know, he was always in the atmosphere with me in the scenes, but. They all had a, an attitude with me, like, who who are you and why are you here? It's like being invited to be third base in a, in a stickball game on the street, but you're just the base, not playing. <laughs> <laughs>
3: okay. All
4: right. Well, this one then, I'm curious about it. Talia Shire. Talia Shire was timid like me. You know, the, her brother- She plays your wife in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And she was already married to David Shire, who's a great producer. I mean, great uh, musician, wrote so many. She didn't need this. And she was trying to see if she'd like it. And, um, you know, it was... I mean, picture this, stuff. for just trivia. Francis comes to me during the beat scene, beating scene that I had to give her in the apartment. And he said, the scene's really not working. I said, well, let me tell you something. And he's in my dressing room, just him and I. I said... You have your mother and father standing behind the camera. You're the director. And you want me to beat up your sister. (laughs) How how do I make this work? I'm not an actor. And he says, you got to make it work. And then I realized I used to watch my father beat up my mother. So I said, call the stunt people in. because my father used to abuse my mother all the time, which is not a good memory. Yeah, sorry. Sorry to hear that. It was my first acting experience to call on something in your real life. And they padded her up. When we first in costume, she didn't have a sweater on. She had a short sleeve summer dress on. So they paired her up with, a, you know, the uh, sweater on. And basically all I did was strap her, beat her with the belt and all of that. And just was a lot of motion. It, it looked, you know, very horrifying because she was pregnant. And uh, Jesus. so th- the scene worked. But you got you guys you got along. She and you two you got oh, along. Oh yeah, very nice. Okay, very very timid. All right. What about uh, John Cazal? John Cazal was very quiet. He was already diagnosed. Nobody realized that that early, that early, man. And that's why everybody surrounded him. We found out later. So on. everybody
3: knows that. Listening, sorry to cut you. Everybody knows John Cazal's Fredo, right? Famously right. Fredo. And the thing about John Cazal, which is crazy, he only did. He was a. He was a a theater actor an amazing theater actor he did five films that's it did five films in his career he died tragically i think he was like 42 years old when he died all five films no it is incredible all five films he was in were nominated for best picture that's the godfather the conversation godfather 2 dog day afternoon and the deer hunter and the uh two of the godfather films and the deer hunter one so man yeah. i mean not that you love the guy to have a long life and whatever but if you got to go
4: early talk about a legacy that's one thing I, I I found out about the film community if you're a part of that community they took care of him, man they made sure he was in those movies which is great to say about you know actors and actresses so he he was a good guy you got you got well, on, really you got sure on him, him. But, you know, a lot of these guys, I didn't know whether they were just playing their part because Jimmy was always walking around with his big puff chest and all this. I'm saying to myself, this guy's such a freaking loser. Who's he? Dickie he is walking around like this. <laughs> he was always in character. Who could win a fight? You or James Conn? Are Come you on. kidding? <laughs> I i challenged him. Remember when they were having those uh, celebrity boxing things Trump was doing at his hotel before he became president? Sure. I said, Trump. The, the greatest fight in the world, the most watched fight in the world still to today is me and Jimmy Kahn. It's the biggest fight in the world. In fact, I may be doing something with it. Now, because now 15th anniversary. you're going to fight Jimmy Kahn now. No, no, he couldn't get, he's in a wheelchair. Unfortunately. No. Hey, you know, calm is a bitch, man. He's <laughs> uh, all right. so you, you know,
3: got, guy, you guys are not going to look. How about Marlon Brando?
4: Marlon and I are close friends until he died. I love Marlon. I got Marlon his biggest paycheck ever. Uh, I did a three picture deal with Andrew Bergman and Michael LaBelle. We did Chances Are, uh, Can Happen to You, and fam- and The Freshman. And they wanted Brando to play the freshman. I got him fifteen million dollars. Did you ever see The Freshman? Is it the one with Matthew Broderick? Yep. And yeah, Roto-Curley. great movie. Yeah, I loved it. One of the highest ratings of Rotten Tomatoes. I think they got forty five tomatoes. It's, it's no okay. Lie. You got to watch it. It's wow. amazing. All right. Yeah, no, I I, I saw the movie a long time ago. Yeah. No, Brando. I did Brando a big favor. He called me one night in the middle of the night, and he says, you got to go. I lived up on Mulholland with all of them. Okay. And he okay. says, you got to do me a favor. This is like, oh. Wait, you said you lived on Mulholland? Yeah.
3: Up here in Cali, where I'm at. I'm in Venice now, but yeah.
4: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I still have two houses there. I have ten mothers to my kids. You got People two houses. You more... got a
3: you got an extra spot for me. I might have to move out of this place. I mean, no, I'm in No, kidding. but I
4: got I got I got all, all my ex mothers in them. People thought <laughs> I was in real estate. I was buying my wife my ex wives and mothers to my kids. I got eleven kids. I eleven kids, it's ten busy. mothers. That's more. That's more unique. One had two. Everybody else had one each. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man! What a life you've had. I have ten grandsons. I got nineteen Russo boys. Is that crazy? Any granddaughters? Not yet. No. I'm sure I will. What are you doing
3: What are you doing now? What are you keeping
4: yourself busy with now? Well, I'm I well we're in development with a movie with George Gallo. That's right. Last night I'm going to give you an exclusive. Okay. Last night I just wrapped my first rap album <laughs> which drops the 25th of this month and you won't believe who I made it with. Okay. Joel and Arsenic, the heat maker, multi-platinum guys, when you hear this, they took my book. I got to send you some tracks. Yeah, I want to hear this. My, they took my book and wrapped it. I can't believe it. It's never been done. Well, how does it even come to be? Did they reach out to you? They said they'd like to do it. And I said, I'm in. And uh, it's it's coming out. It's dropping the 25th. We were we were going to do a watch. 14th, but now the movie's going into the theaters, so we're going to capitalize on all of this. But when you see and hear this, you're not going to believe it. What's the name of the song? It's Hollywood Godfather Raps the Godfather. It's named after my book. My book's a bestseller. If you go on Amazon right now, it's got over 5,000 reviews nothing I, by the boy, way I,
3: I by the way normally I would have read ahead of time this thing came together so quickly I didn't even have time to do it but I did order the book so I am going to read the book I'm super excited about this because I not only do you and your life and there's so much more and I would love to have you back on the show another time because because we please. can get back into it cuz I it's just too much you you've had I mean your life in Vegas and I, we can go into all that sometime too but it, not only just what you've done and and how you have always managed to stay ahead of the game in in a lot of ways you're undaunted you know you just keep going it's like all right this thing now i'm going to do this thing now i'm going to do this thing and it seems like everything you're doing is successful which is phenomenal whether it's singing or acting yeah
4: it's ironic you should say that, dan these clothes i have on it's my clothing line that's launching (laughs) next month
3: of course. Can I, well, I got to get one of them jackets, by the way. I need
4: one. It's called, today. it's called La Cosa Mia by Gianni. I, you know, like La Cosa Nostra. Yeah. No, Cosa no. <laughs> it's
3: so crazy. I look, I went with the leisure. Uh, I went with the leisure shirt for you, which I think is sort of the Sopranos esque leisurely. Uh, what do you call Well, this? If I was,
4: if I was a Soprano, I would appreciate it. I dress.
3: <laughs> well, Johnny, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in New York city. When? In a couple of months. I, I do a show. I, I do this show. Uh, there's a comedy club called The Stand off of Union Square, and I do the show there. You know, every couple months I go, we do, we, and I'll tell you what, man, when I come to New York, I am going to be hitting you up for sure, because uh, I, well, would please, love to, no. I would love please. to hang out in New York with you. And, 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 well, I'll, and, I'll make a dinner for
4: you, too. I, I would.
3: I I'm in, and we'll have you come and do and sit in with us on the show, which would be amazing. My pleasure. Yeah, uh, My pleasure. I, I again, everybody out there. I, there's so many things to, to get, but your first thing you want to do is you want to pick up, you want to pick up Johnny's book. It's called Hollywood Godfather: My Life in the Movies and the Mob. You want to go and get the the Corleone Fine Italian Culinary Collection. I love it. I, I'm just the olive oil itself is worth it is worth it. Just getting it in that old tid can. I love it. Obviously the Godfather 50 years, 50 years, do yourself a favor, get the bottle of Caparzo, Caparzo, Kap- get the Umani Ronchi and sit down and drink this. And you'll think of Johnny and I, while you're watching the Godfather, Johnny, like I said, man, I w- we're definitely having you back on cause there's way too much to talk about. And, uh, and I got to thank you so much for, for taking time out. with me.
4: Thank you so much. Anytime you want. Yeah. You my numbers now. I got you, man. You're my buddy. You know, man. I, I'm not saying call my people, call me, call you directly. <laughs> thank you, Johnny. Thank you.
3: You don't come to Las Vegas and talk to a man like Mo green, like that. Fredo, you're my older brother and I
1: love you, but don't ever take sides with anyone. The family again.
3: As promised, we're going to wrap up with the great director Steven Soderbergh giving his thoughts on The Godfather. We'll let Steven have the final word today. I do want to invite you to follow me at The Imbiber on Instagram and Twitter. Podcast has its own Instagram at WWD underscore podcast. In addition to hearing from Steven at the end of this show, he's going to be our guest in the next show. Exciting stuff talking about his new movie, Kimmy. And some other stuff. Thank you for uh, tuning in, folks. I really love having you here. And I want to thank Johnny Russo for joining me. And uh, what else? Who else? Is... Oh, and Claire Copy, of course, the great Claire Copy. Follow them all. Just go and do it. And thank you. And uh, Steven Soderbergh, take us out, man, will you?
2: The Godfather was seminal for a lot of reasons, but most most obviously, it's, it's success. Um, It's it's commercial success. But for for filmmakers, what was what was compelling about it was that Francis had blended the the approach to style and character that you would typically see in movies that came from other countries, Japan, India, France, uh, Germany. And he he, he fused it with this very American narrative style. So it it was just like watching somebody put, you know, the perfect algorithm together of how to blend these two ways of making films. And it just turned into, you know, those two approaches when blended, the way he blended them, turned into this thing that was bigger than either. And so that was... It to me just really typifies what was exciting about the American new wave that was happening in the 60s and 70s was, you know, Francis's generation of filmmakers really taking advantage of everything that they'd seen that was made outside of this country and then using this kind of American ability to plot um, in a way that, Other other more elliptical films from overseas, you know, didn't view as important. Um, So that to me was what was so striking about it was it was it was both beautiful and completely riveting and the math of the plot is just immaculate.